in a very tangible way. Father, we pray you'd bless these gifts and tithes and offerings that uh, as we give back to you all that you've poured into our lives, that you would multiply them and that they would do great things for the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. There's a lot of people that we don't know here. So I'm Tim. This is Paula. You may have seen our children, Logan, Rebecca, Micah. Um, It's been two years since we've been here. There's a lot of people we know and a lot of new people, and uh, we hope to get to know everybody. Again, we'll be here just a short time, like Byron said. Then we'll be vagabonds like Abraham and Sarah. Then hopefully we can come back and just spend some time with you all. Um, We're with a mission called Christian Veterinary Mission, um, and we were in Uganda for two years. And then hopefully we really feel like the Lord's called us to Zimbabwe, and that's where we're We've got our eyes fixed, and that's where we're going to go next. But the Lord hasn't said when. So we're back to tell everybody about Uganda, what the Lord did in us there, um, what he allowed us to help him do in just a small part, and then to tell you about what we uh, see coming up for um, Zimbabwe. Um, We're going to share a lot more tonight, hopefully. Pray about some slides. We're working on trying to get some pictures that we can show you all so it's not just our lovely faces. You can see some pictures of Africa, but right now they're locked in my computer and I left my power cord in Africa. So I'm trying to figure out, save enough battery power to get them out of my computer and get them printed. But um, our two years was really good. Um, We're different people than when we left. Some people say we look like we lost weight. I don't think so. I think I gained weight, but hey, that's okay because a lot of you lost weight. So I gained your weight for you. Um, and I just want to share, oops, okay, um, just, I want to share a scripture and, and just a couple things, and then I'll let my lovely wife talk to, um, but Psalm 66, verse 10 says, for you, O God, have tested us, you refined us like silver, um, and really for me, I read that, for you, O God, have tested me. And you refined me like silver. And these last two years have been, I've been stretched, I've been changed. There were times when I didn't want to be stretched and changed. I just wanted to run away from it all. Um, But God didn't let me do that. He kept pursuing me and he kept refining me. Um, And, you know, someone sent me an email that talked about how silver is refined. And... The way they say it's done is that the refiner puts them in fire, puts the silver, the raw silver in fire, and heats it up, and heats it up, and heats it up, and it's burning and boiling, and all the impurities are coming off. And he's just standing there watching it. And he's just standing there, and he's not doing anything. He's not stirring it. He's not touching it. And let me tell you, that's what it felt like for the first year I was in Africa, that God was just threw me in the fire, and then he just stood back. And he just watched, and he just watched, and he stood over here, and he went over here. You know, I'm going, help me, help me, I'm burning. He's just looking. But they say, and I don't know if this is true, I need to find out before I tell it to everybody, but that the silversmith looks, and when he can see his face perfectly reflected, he takes the silver out, and it's done. And that's what I think God was doing to me, was he's just standing there. And I don't think I'm there yet, not claiming to be there yet. 
But he was just waiting and looking. And when God finally can see his face perfectly in me, so there's no more dross, there's no more impurities, then he's going to take me out of the fire. So I'm in a, I think I'm in a respite now because I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> so I'm in that cooling off period, but I think I'll be thrown back in again. But I just encourage all of you that feel like God's thrown you in the fire and left you there and doesn't care about you and is just standing there. Like Chuck talked, you know, that maybe you feel like you've got, all you've got is ashes. You don't have any joy. That he's standing there and he's waiting and he's looking. And when his face is perfectly reflected in you, then you're going to be out. And then you're going to be made into a vessel in the house of the Lord for his praise forever and ever and ever. So, thanks. Didn't I marry a good man? Oh, I have an agenda. <laughs> we're, su- <laughs> we're supposed to um, also collect the building fund offering. I understand. And so if the ushers will come forward for the building fund. And do we pray for it before you take it up? or how? To- okay, so we'll pray before. Always good to pray. Okay. So let's pray for the building fund offering. Okay. Heavenly Father, Father God, we thank you for this building. It's a great place. Your spirit resides here. Father, we pray you'd help us to be faithful, um, to repay the loan. Father, you'd provide the finances for this building. Lord, I pray you'd pour out blessings on each and every member of this church so that your house could be built here and elsewhere. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, always brings back thoughts of buildings. You know, I've spent the last two years in grass thatch churches with cow manure on the floor. <laughs> and so, it's nice to be able to kneel down and not be kneeling in cow manure. <laughs> they, you know, it's really amazing what you can use cow manure for. <laughs> It keeps the termites out. It keeps them from eating the church and make the grass fall down on your head. And so I'm supposed to talk about what I've learned, but I'm drawn a blank. <laughs> I, you know, Tim really did a good job of telling what we've learned. And you feel pretty ugly when your dross is on the surface, let me tell you. Um, and when you're a couple and you both have dross on the surface, you can cause some sparks to fly. And so the Lord has really worked on both of us and um, you know but God is good you know in our communities we're working in there many of the people were when we first began were having one meal a day to try and get the harvest the little harvest that they had to reach until the next harvest and for them they just love the Lord and they stand up there and give testimony in church of God has kept me up to today you know they just praise God because they're alive up to today They've been through wars and famines and, you know, you name it, it's been there. AIDS, other diseases, TB, sleeping, you know, you can just make a long laundry list. But God has kept me up to today. You know, it's easy in America to get worried about a whole lot of other things. But really and truly, we can praise God because he's kept us up to today. And so maybe that's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned from there is... You know, the other things don't really matter. And God is big enough. He can take care of it if he wants to. 
And if he hasn't take care of it, taken care of it for you, then you need to start doing your part. Seeking the Lord. Because he says, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these other things will be added to you. Don't worry about what you wear, where you live, all those things. So if you're worried about those things, God's trying to get you to seek God first. He's trying to get your attention. doesn't mean it won't, you know, that you won't have struggles. Those struggles are things that God uses to get you to look towards Him. So we learned how imperfect we were and how much dross floated to the surface while we were there. But it's nice, so nice, to be home worshiping the Lord with people that we love and people that love us. So thank you so much for your love and support for all the years that we've been a part of Calvary, but especially for the last two years. And we'll show you some pictures and tell you some more stories this, this evening. Thank you. Just one more thing. I promise we won't show all 900 slides that we have. Just in case, that we'll save it. We'll just give you 100 at a time. The Lord let that battery die on purpose. Oh. Um, you know, I was just thinking, Tim was talking about the Lord doing that thing, throws you in the heat and just sort of watches you and... I guess I helped the Lord a little bit on that. Tim would send emails, and it'd take me several weeks to respond to them. Then had to go back and find out what was he responding to. You know, what did that? What was? I had to go back and read the original letter. They then went through four or five more crises by the time I got to them. But I knew it was God, Tim. <laughs> I've since repented and try to read my email every day. But, amen. Um, we just really love Tim and Paula. Um, just honestly, I was so excited last week. And I don't get excited about people stuff much, except, you know, my wife and sometimes my kids. <laughs> I was so excited that we're coming home. It was just, I was excited. In fact, I could not sleep at the night they came home. I I just I, I was just wound up as tight as I could go, man, and I was surprised at myself really about how excited I was about them, you know, the Lord bringing them back, and they're going to be here for a couple of weeks, and then they're going to go back and visit their family. There's other churches that help them in their missions, and but they'll be back in the fall for a few months. And we can just really work them over then. Uh, Lord willing, they'll be going to Zimbabwe uh, next probably be a year or something like that but they'll be in the meantime getting ready for that and so i just love tim and paula just want you guys to really know that and this church loves you and you really are a part of this and that's just really means a lot to me but i wanted paula to uh only get you, have you open your bibles this morning and one thing i used to love to do is get paula to read for me because <laughs> she can, I love Paula's accent. I love how she reads, and it just sounds so much. She yeah, has probably messed up. I was wondering about if the Africans messed up, but something about when she would read the Bible, it just sounded so much better than when I would read it. So I used to love to get her to read it, just to, just to hear it. So, 
I've been waiting on this day for a long time to get Paula to read some scriptures. Which part you want me to read? <laughs> you don't know? No. Uh, Luke 8. Luke 8. Yeah, Luke, just tell them. Luke 8, 4 through 15. Luke 8, verses 4 through 15. You're, you're supposed to be the translator. I'm translating? Yeah. Luke fell out of my Bible. Back, back, there it is right there. Luke 4 8? Oh, Luke 8. They've messed her up over there. <laughs> Luke 8, verses 4 through 8. Oh, 4 through 15. Okay, 4 through 15. Wait, I heard a rumor there's a Kenyan here. Jambo. <laughs> Sorry, that's about all the Swahili I know. But <laughs> Uganda speaks English in about 70 tribal languages. But Kenya, I think Swahili works most of the way. So, Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. And when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as, sun, as soon as it had sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, he who has, an, has ears to hear, let him hear. Then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Thank you. That was good, wasn't it? Okay, I'm not going to. I'm going to just share just briefly this morning. <clears throat> um, actually, I got something to share on about every line in here. I feel like the Lord showed me, but I don't. I really, if I try to do that, I'll be rushing, and so I won't do that. I'm just going to share a couple things that I feel like God wants to communicate to us this morning. So, Lord, I ask you to show me how to show me what to communicate and how to do it the way that you would like for me to do it. Um, first one, it says uh, in verse four, it says, "When a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to him from every city, he spoke a parable, or he spoke by a parable." And I just wanted to, to highlight the word, a great multitude had gathered, and they came to Jesus. Um, and he gave them this, uh, 
this parable. The parable being uh, something that those people could relate to because they were living in, you know, pretty much an agricultural type society. They understood farming. Um, probably a lot of us sort of understand it, maybe from seeding your lawn. <laughs> Not necessarily planting gardens, but some of us do gardens in here. But so he spoke to him in a parable, and and when he finished in verse eight, he said, "He who has ears to hear, let him hear." Then his disciples uh, asked him, saying, "What what does this parable mean?" And he said, "This is verse nine. To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand." And I think one of the one of the things that I feel God is saying through this is if you begin to study the the gospels and the book of Acts and actually the letters, well actually the whole New Testament I guess, but if you really begin to look at it and really ask what's really going on um in the New Testament. You find this is what you find. You find places where, like here, a bunch of people gathered together to hear Jesus talk, and he talked to them. But he talked to them in a way, really, basically, what he's saying. He talked to them in a way they didn't really understand what he was talking about. They didn't really know what he was saying, even though they could understand the uh, illustrations that he was given. But they really couldn't understand what it meant spiritually. And his disciples then, you know, after he had spoken to the crowd, talked to him. And he explained it to, to them. And I think this is what I see. And I see this happening a lot. In fact, if you really study the Gospels, you're going to find not... There's one message that Jesus gave called the Sermon on the Mount. Remember the Sermon on the Mount? I think that's the longest recorded message in the New Testament, I believe. It's, it's long. It's several chapters. Um, but there's other places in the New Testament that says that Jesus sat down in a boat and taught them. Doesn't say anything about what He said to them. Not one word. Then He says, let's go fishing. I mean, let's cast out here and, and fish. You see, a lot of times when Jesus was speaking, He wasn't speaking to a great crowd. If you really study who His audience was, many times it was just, just His disciples. And there was a time when He was speaking to, uh, evidently, a lot of His disciples. And He started talking about eating His flesh and drinking His blood. They got offended at Him. There was another time, and many of them left. He even had to say to, the, to, his, to His apostles, Are y'all going to leave Me also? Another time he was at his hometown and he went to the, to the, to the synagogue there and spoke and, and quoted out of uh, Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good news, went and quoted those scriptures and said, today this scriptures are fulfilled and you're hearing, and they got mad at him then. So there was times when Jesus would speak to groups of people that people would get upset with Jesus, upset with what he was saying and get offended at him. Um, which I think is interesting. But there was many times when Jesus was not speaking to a crowd of people. 
many times Jesus was speaking to people he was in relationships with. I think it's interesting in the church that we put a lot of focus on this, what we're doing right now. Here's the sad story for some of us. This is all the church that we have. But if you really look what's in this book, you look what Jesus, I'm talking about what just Jesus did. This is not church, guys. This is not church. And if this is all you have, you don't have a biblical form of church. This is what church was to Jesus. It's these little groups of people that get together, just like he did with his disciples. His disciples says, what did that mean? Jesus, explain that to me. Explain that to me. It was, it's a relationship. It's, it's not just a group of people coming together to worship together, to hear preaching. Now, that's, we should be doing those things. I believe. I'm, I'm, I'm a believer in that. But I'm a believer in that, that what we do on church on Sunday morning is nothing more than a staging area to really be the church the rest of the time. You know, to get together in little groups of people, to pray together, to study the Bible together, to break bread together. Now, that's what church is. That really is how church is really lived out. But in America, and, and I think probably in other parts of the world, we've made this the church. This is church. We come to church on Sunday morning and we go home and the rest of the week and live our lives. But we don't interact with each other. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That's not the Bible. I'm here to tell you that this morning. That is not the Bible. That is not anywhere in here. You can't find it in here. And we're making a grave mistake with our lives if that is all we have for church. If this is all you have for church this morning, you're making a serious error. Because it says that Jesus spoke to His disciples. He got with His disciples. And you know, one of the things I was saying about Tim and Paula, the reason I love them so much is because I have a relationship with Tim and Paula. I have a relationship outside this room with Tim and Paula. You see what I'm saying? There's something going on besides just in here. Because just this in here, people are going to get mad at what I say or what you say or what I do or what you do. Okay, they're going to come, and, that, and that's why the church is so unstable. Because everybody's coming wanting this to be the thing. Wanting this to be the thing that really connects with them, that really feeds them, really touches them. But if you say something controversial like, you know, you got to drink my blood, you know, you got to eat my flesh, you know, people are going to get upset, they're going to get offended, and they'll leave. You see, and it's because they don't have this other part. See, those other guys said, well... Yeah, you know, that sounded pretty radical, but they were saying, we don't have anywhere else to go. You know, you're the ones who has life. You know, you, you have the words of life. Yeah, what you may be saying may be radical. And see, what we've got to do, I believe, is we have to somehow find out what church really is. And I think when I read this, I don't see church being... Get my glasses on so I can just see, period. 
when a great multitude had gathered and heard Jesus speak. I don't find that to be church. I find it down here. His disciples ask him, what does it mean? What does that mean? What does that mean, Jesus? And they got together with Jesus, and guess what Jesus did? He started explaining it to them. And this is the way your Christian life's going to work. If you really want to be successful as a Christian, you really want to prosper as a Christian, and if you want exactly what Chuck Moore was up here saying, you really want to come into fruitfulness in your life, it's going to come by doing what they did down here in verse 9. They got together with Jesus. In other words, you're going to have to get together with Jesus every day of your life. When you, I mean, just sitting down reading the Bible in the morning ain't good enough. Now, I'm just going to tell you that right now, unless you're getting with Him and saying, Jesus, what does this mean? You know, this stuff's crazy in here. I don't know about you, but I find it insanity. This, this book's insane sometimes to me. I can't understand this book without Jesus. I have to get with Him. I have to talk to Him about it. Yeah. It is a relation. You just don't read this thing and go, well, you know, I think that's what that means. No, you start talking to Him about it. And you think about it. You know what I'm saying? But it don't just stop just with me talking to Jesus in the mornings. You know, I better do that. That's, you know, real important. Or whenever I talk to Jesus or however I talk to Jesus. But I need to talk to you. I don't need to just talk to you standing here. You know? I better have some kind of relationship with other people where other people can speak into my lives. My life, my lives. <laughs> I'm not a cat. <laughs> I've got two lives. i got one here and I'm going to have one in heaven. <laughs> Actually, they're the same. It's just, you know, you're living in the body, this natural body. Y'all didn't get that, did you? Don't think I'm trying to preach some sort of weird doctrine there. I promise you I'm not. <laughs> I'm just talking about being a Christian on this earth and I'm going to die one day and go to heaven. You know, that's all I'm talking about. You hear what I'm saying? But you see, we've got to live our lives out with each other. We've got to have relationships with one another. It, it just, this other stuff, it's not working. It's not working. And I think the way you really have a real church is you have, you have this. They got together with Jesus and asked him, what does it mean? I think that's what really, real church really is. I think that's where church... Then you get together with everybody else, which maybe you're not doing that with, because you can't do it with every single person, but when you get together and you have a time where everybody comes together and worships together for encouragement, to, like I say, a staging area to help launch you, and encourage you and build each other up and, and find out what the church as a whole was all about. Does that, you all hear what I'm saying to you? You, you, you? Do you see where the church in America may have, or, or maybe just us, I mean, forget everybody else. Let's just talk about us right now. See how maybe we've, we've gotten off the mark? You know, where we've put the emphasis on this. Well, I'm, a, I'm going to church this morning. I'm going to go to church. But that's all the church you have in your life. Don't do that. If you're doing that this morning, you're off. You're not biblical. You're not biblical. You can have church at work. You know, you can have church at work with other believers. 
and getting together with them, praying with them. You can have church and believers' houses just getting together. It don't have to be any. It can just be sitting around a table fellowshipping. That's church. That's church. Or it can be an official, you know, meeting, you know, life group sponsored by the church. That's church. All that stuff's important. It's important to us. And this is not to try to promote anything except for one thing. What does the Bible say it really is? What does Jesus say it really is? He says it's a lifestyle. He says it's something you do all the time. It's, you know, like you say, when you come to church, you bring the church with you because you are the church. And you've already lived the church all through the week. You know, and you're coming in here. And the way we could really have a wonderful Sunday morning church service if we all really did that and we came in here ready to enjoy God together and celebrate God together. Does that, does that make sense to you? It's the Bible. It's the Bible. That way when people like Tim and Paula go over there, you know, and when they come home, you can really be excited about them coming home. You can feel excitement in your heart because a part of you is coming back. A person you had a relationship with. And I thank God for all the people I've had relationships with and got relationships with. You know, because that really means a whole lot to me, more to me than a lot of this other, other stuff. And I promise you, if you will begin to see churches that and begin to develop this other part of the church life that maybe you don't have, you will be a much more fuller person. And you will be able to come into what God has for you. Amen? Okay, let's just stand. I told you I want to. It's 20 after. That's all I'm going to do. <laughs> and the reason it's all I'm going to do is because I don't want to throw away some other good words. And I don't want them staying here all day. <laughs> We've heard a lot of stuff already. I think uh, we have another testimony I think we need to give. I have... Uh, I believe we need to give that, so I'm sorry. Sit back down. <laughs> what happened to Gloria? Work. Huh? Yeah, go get her. Gloria has a testimony I feel like she's supposed to share. So it's, we got ten minutes here. You know, Not that we're bound to time, but... Hey, listen. Church is going to going to happen when we leave out of here. Church is going to happen tonight when we come and have this meal. Church is going to happen tomorrow night when they do the Bible study or Tuesday at the CSM, Wednesday at the Life Group. Huh? Wednesday at the Baker's Life Group. That's Church is going to happen then. We're going to live it at the women's retreat. The 20-somethings. 